1: hello welcome to the women's show it's me again chris brack and i am joined today by neil Ackerson and philip smallwood and we're just going to talk about how boss Lippa women are because we are officially now at wsl and we talk about how great the uh promotion was and how good it was to watch the fireworks how are we doing guys
0: very good indeed
1: <laughs> yeah, it's what we have been looking forward to isn't it <laughs>
2: exactly exactly
1: it so it
0: was the point of the whole season chris and i think that you know let sort of start there yeah mm. they, they had to do it this year for a variety of reasons you know financial but i think also for the the spiritual aspect really like the club needed Them to to find a way through this. There was a a massive push made internally and externally to to, to grab people's attention. And I think that, you know, going to that game against Sheffield United, you're able to say that that was a success to this point. And all of this is, you know, the the next part of all of this as well, which can sound brutal, but it doesn't need to be, is that, you know, to this point, because there's stuff to do next. But when we started doing all of this all the way from the start of the season, the conversations we've had since day one, we've needed them to do what they, they eventually managed mm-hmm. to do. And in the end, you know, you, you look at the table and it feels sort of downright, it almost feels too easy, if anything. You know, the, the, we've had a couple of conversations and it was a little bit Did more fraught. It? And then there's, no, exactly. And there's points through the season where it just didn't feel it either. And as it is, in the end, you know, the old there's a bit of a maxim to bear in mind, which is that there's a reason why sides, when, you, when they are sort of seven points behind you after 17 games, say, are seven points behind you because they're just going to stay on that trajectory and they can't quite get their act together. But ultimately, you know, Liverpool, to, to finish it 11 points clear, it's just testament to, to, to how well they've done the job that was in front of them. And it's worth remembering that job will have come with massive pressure.
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, Philippa, we were at Sheffield, Sheffield uh, when, yep. you were giving, when you were giving out cream eggs to everyone and <laughs> the massive Katie Stengel flag was going. It was, it really won it.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it almost felt like the whole season was kind of building up to... To what ended up being this party against Sheffield United. And I know earlier on in the season we were hoping that would be the case. Um you know and that that match could have been at Anfield and um, unfortunately it landed on the same day as the Derby. So mm. you know that wasn't possible in the end. But I know that the club really wanted to do that as well. Um you know as the season was going on and it just didn't quite fall right for us. Um but yeah, it was a it was a really great atmosphere, and obviously the the players put on a bit of a show for us, didn't they? So, uh, which that, is always nice, uh, helps yeah. the party atmosphere even more, I would say. So
1: it, it was definitely a, a here come the champions. Uh, a little bit, you and me both know. Um, There's a little bit poetic about it being Sheffield United, the amount of ex Reds there, the former Reds manager who divides opinion. So it was quite nice to put that show on. Um, what could what we could we were capable of and we showed it most of the season, but there is something about just putting six pass on when you don't see it that often.
2: No, exactly and you know I think it's what comes with there being no pressure on the players as well at that point. Um, you know the job was done and they, they could literally relax and play a bit more naturally, I would say. I think sometimes when the pressures on you can you know overthink things sometimes and maybe not not play with the same flow as what they had in that game. Um, and, you know, there was a really good crowd on as well, over 2,000 people. And you kind was- of hope that a lot of those people, that maybe it was the first or only the second time are going to watch the game, you know, that they they come again next season and that, you know, the word starts to spread and, you know, the crowds go up as, as they're watching more and more world-class players in the WSL next season. So. Um, you know, it was it was just a really good day, and then obviously you can go on from that to to the derby, which was nice as well. You know, just having it almost, um, you know, they 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 managed to bring the kickoff forward so that you know people could go and watch both, and I think that's a big thing that they need to look at next season as well. Is you mm. know to try and get it so that there is no clashes between the two games and and people can take in both without jeopardizing uh, either attendances.
1: Yeah, was, that was one thing. There was probably too many of them, unfortunately. I mean, look, the cup final can't be helped. It is it is what it is, unfortunately. But to a few as you would like to think in hindsight, could have been done slightly differently. Uh, but look, ultimately, uh, the big thing is, I think it's a good thing for the players, and I think for us as fans to get used to is the amount of... Now, there should be a lot of hype around winning a league. And you should have that. But, you know, it was the amount of coverage you got and the amount of national coverage it got is... That's one of the players and us fans. You're gonna get used to because the one thing when you're with WSL is every game's on either on telly or on on the or on the um, FA player. So you're gonna have to get used to that. Now all eyes are on you. know, you know.
2: Yeah, exactly. we
1: were before really.
2: Yeah, I mean it was nice as well. I think at the weekend, um, you know that the club, you know, had them parade the trophy at at Anfield. I think you know the reception that they got. Took me a little bit by surprise. Um, I know it has had, you know, a fair bit of coverage, but mm. I didn't expect um, there to be quite as uh, as many people staying behind. I think at half-time and not going down into the concourse and taking that in and giving them the reception that that they fully deserve for for their achievements this season. And you know, I hope I hope that's a sign of things to come that people will come to the games more and um, that we'll get to play at Anfield. A couple of times next season, and and you know that people will come in the droves to watch them because, you know, we know ourselves how much we enjoy going and watching the women play, and you know, it's 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 something that you know we should be getting more people going to watch, and um, there should be larger crowds, um, and you know, the the women deserve that. You know, the standard of player that we've got now in the WSL, I think I think deserves big crowds, and and it's something that I want to see.
0: It's the, the there's a problem here, though, which is that and this is we've got to be careful on a show like this one where there's there's a lot to applaud from last season. And this is what I meant before when I referred to, you know, this being a, in a couple of ways, just a slightly sort of difficult moment. When Philippa says of she wants you know, next season that people be able to see world class players in the in the WSL. We need them to be playing for Liverpool. Yeah, there, there, there cannot be um Ultimately, you know, to and it it all feels a little bit, what have you done for me lately? And I I do feel sorry for people at the club in that regard. But genuinely, it starts now. You know, Leicester have stayed up with four wins from 22. Birmingham have gone down with three wins from 22. Now, 11th isn't good enough. It it may be that 11th has to be what we have to deal on at the end of the season for one reason or another. But if we want to build on the momentum of, for instance, people, you know, really warm ovations at Anfield, the idea of playing two, ideally four of the twenty-two league games at Anfield next season. I think there's opportunity to do that. But if we want to really build on that, then I think you've got to, you know, you've got to pick your moments. You've got to find your way. Liverpool are in a unique position for next season from the point of view of attendance, which is that it's overstated. The lack of interest there is in the England national team amongst Liverpool supporter base, men's supporter base, is overstated, I would argue. Uh, those who don't, who are not interested are very, very vocal. There's a lot of people who are in a bit of a grey area and then there's some people who are interested who tend to not be particularly vocal. But what Liverpool women can do next year is if they get the opportunity to play at Anfield, they can play on the fact that you can watch a Liverpool, women's team, a Liverpool team play. It'll be a Liverpool women's team play in November and December next year. And that is a unique selling point. That will not be the same for Chelsea supporters, mm-hmm. for Arsenal supporters, for Tottenham supporters, for Manchester City mm-hmm. supporters, for Reading supporters. They'll want to watch the World Cup. They'll want to watch the Men's World Cup. The casual supporter of those clubs will want to watch the Men's World Cup. Whereas Liverpool can do that, but what they can't do is get them to Anfield and have them experience the sort of results that Chelsea put on Leicester. Because people yeah. will go, "I'm not. I'm, I, what am I watching this for? I'm not, I'm not signing up to watch a Liverpool team get whacked. And I watched Chelsea uh, partly in prep for the show. To be honest with you, I watched Chelsea Manchester United yesterday, and Chelsea are incredible. Like they're they're such a good football team. They are. They were streets ahead of United. United get only get to where they get to in the game by virtue of nerves of Chelsea a little bit, really in that first half, and a bit of luck ultimately. Just throwing a few high balls in and seeing where it ends up. Second half, Chelsea dismantled them. United have won twelve out of twenty-two in the division. They've got forty-two points. This is a this. That's a side that's prospered in the division, and Chelsea put four past them. And if Chelsea needed to score six, they scored six. They absolutely dismantled them second half. And this is the thing we've got to have for next season. And I think this is what Philip is driving at as well, is that you know we've got we we. we I think there's there's there's. I mean Chelsea Chelsea. The, I mean the league table belies it a little bit because Arsenal are close to them, but I think that Chelsea Chelsea and Arsenal say are currently in a bit of a league of their own. City can join them. Then there's maybe another league underneath that's United, perhaps down to say around sort of Brighton, and then there's then there's the next sort of step down, and then there's where Leicester and Birmingham ended up. But Liverpool can't do a year being where Leicester and Birmingham ended up. So I think, and I, I think the step up is so 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 huge, but it isn't just the one step up, the step up to that league or the step up to where Brighton are. It is the idea of you can't have Liverpool teams getting whacked six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and mm. that's what scares the life out of me. Because I want that I want, you know, I want fifty five thousand at Anfield. I want two thousand at Prenton Park, yeah, and then three thousand Prenton Park and five thousand at Prenton Park. But then I want fifty five thousand at Anfield. But it's hard to get fifty-five thousand to Anfield if they're getting whacked six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. And, and 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 by anyone, but certainly by, say, a Chelsea team or a Manchester City team. So we've got to keep building. And as I say, it all sounds rather, what have you done for me lately? And it all sounds rather, you know, it can all sound a little bit unpleasant. But that's now That's now the next thing. And that's what I said before when I was starting this, that there are some who've done the bit now for, for us. And there's now more that's got to come. And that, that that's for, at all levels, the way the club works, there's now more that's got to come. And as I say, it can sound all a bit grac- ungracious and a bit <laughs> a bit mealy mild, I know, But, uh, yeah. but it is the next thing is that you can't we we can't be watching a Liverpool side get beaten heavily three or four times a season.
1: No, but it's it's the same thing. We it's true in any level of football is if you stand still, you're ultimately going backwards. And Liverpool know that. But Philip, of the noise we're getting out the club already is it's getting well briefed. I would say to people in the press, Emma Sanders is it's five in five out that's pretty much, that number's sort of getting banded around for now. now who the names are and the level of player we're getting in and out. yeah, That that can be up for debate and we'll only see the proof when, when they land. But Liverpool, pretty much since they got promoted, that number's been banded about four to five are going out and four to five are staying. So it, it's already shown a bit of a ruthless streak in Liverpool. Now, look, some of them, I think is just natural players leave because contracts end or there's some players you think i just got like a natural end to. They're going to move on. We can, you know, I'm not going to name names because I think that's mean at the moment. But yeah. I'm intrigued about the profile player we're going to bring in. Is it younger up and comers like we tried to do years back with Babadji? Or is it experienced WSL pros who are maybe not quite Chelsea Arsenal level and perhaps the but they're still very top half WSL level to push us on? I suppose that's the that'll be the interest to you is how do we get the mix right.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when, you know, you, you listen to what Matt's saying, um, you know, he's he's coming out with words like, we want WSL players with experience. We want internationals with experience. And I think, I think the club are doing or are trying to do exactly what Neil's saying. You know, mm. whichever players are leaving the club, we need to be replacing them with better. It can't be the same standard or it can't be just, you know, players to make up the squad. It's got to be players who are coming in to play on a regular basis and to take us up to that that next level. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, I don't want us to make too many changes. I think four or five is about right, to be honest. Um, you know, I think there's enough players there with enough quality to keep us in the league, but the sort of players that I want us to bring in are those that are going to make it a lot more comfortable for us staying in the league. Than what it has been for the likes of Leicester, Um, you know. I want us to to at least be finishing mid-table. I would say I think that would be a successful season for us next year, and then you then make the next step again. Um, I totally get what Neil's saying there about you know you don't want to be losing games four, five, six nil. Um, I think you know it's probably a step too far to be saying that we should be beating the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, etc. I absolutely agree. I, I think that this season has shown us that we've got a really good defensive unit we're quite well organized and i think that stands us in really good stead for next season to to not be getting you know battered in these games you know to be going in them and being able to keep those teams out um and maybe you know losing games one two nil isn't isn't bad results for us in those games but you know it's something that we we need to be kind of building that platform so that we can then make the next step the next season as well.
0: I think I think if it's five in and five out, then the five have all got to be nailed on starters who could yeah. start for a side up to, and I would say including Manchester United. I yeah. think that's the level that you've got to go to. I think the idea of reaching beyond that becomes very, very difficult because if they were good enough to start for the three clubs above, then they'd be playing for the three clubs above mm. or, or somewhere else across Europe. But I think it's got to be, if you're doing five in, it's got to be five in, but five in off the basis of the fact that you're going to be, you're the first of the nucleus of what's going to be in three years' time a genuine assault on the top three or four. Within the division, uh, and that's you know really really important that Liverpool therefore get that right, and it's 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 in the standards of women's football, it'll prove to be quite a substantial investment because these players will be you know you, you, you they're investing in the idea of playing for Liverpool and being at the centre of Liverpool and what Liverpool can do. And therefore, having a really clear plan as well about, for instance, how many games there's going to be at Anfield and why, and all of that will obviously help dangle that particular carrot because this is what you're coming to do. We, we, we can obviously convince people with money, but they're still coming to play for a promoted side, so they've got to believe that Liverpool are very, very real in terms of in terms of taking a run at it. Like Philip, I don't expect you know next season. It's not about beating Chelsea and Arsenal. That's not my point. My point is not no. getting battered. My point is not getting embarrassed. I'm not yeah. getting embarrassed in front of a crowd. What happens to Leicester at the King Power? is quietly a little bit mortifying. And I mean that in a sort of, with the, with the greatest of respect to Leicester, who finished ahead of Liverpool last year. But the idea of you get everyone into the king power to watch them play Chelsea and then get beat 9-0, is not a, it's not the sort of thing that it, it makes it easy to bring people back for afterwards. And if it does, at Leicester's level, that would not be the feeling of a Liverpool crowd, is the thing I will put over. Yeah. If, if that's happening on your turf... The idea of talking people back who maybe have never gone to a women's game before, but you're bringing them to Anfield for the first time and you're getting them excited. And then they're watching Liverpool be thoroughly outclassed. I think that will be a real problem. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking here as much about the sort of the long term viability of the whole project. It, it would be awful now to take a step back, as you said before, Chris. So I think if it's five in, if it's only five in, and I think it should be more and that I've got a bit of a difference of opinion with Philip on it, but I think if it's only five in, then they have to be five who I think going through the spine of the team and who are absolutely, you know, coming in. And the expectation is that they will start the majority, the vast majority of games. And then it's down to the remaining players to prove that wrong. Ie, the lev- they drag the level of everybody else up, and everybody else suddenly is 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 absolutely deadly serious. So I'm well. I don't want to lose my place to this person, but therefore I've got to go up and up and up. And I think that yeah. that's what Liverpool have got to do, and it's got to be the right characters, obviously in the right balance. And it isn't about burning everything down because the players who've done what they've done for us this season couldn't have done any more, and they couldn't be worthy of greater respect. But the challenge that the step up is, I don't think I don't think we get anywhere both on on conversations like these among supporters. Conversations among supporters, in or not, that aren't recorded, and the idea of what's internal within Liverpool uh, and in the media. I don't think we get anywhere by anywhere good by acting as though the step up isn't enormous. The step right. up is ap- The step up is absolutely enormous. I would argue the step up is bigger than the step up in the men's game at the moment. Yeah, and yeah. the men's game at the moment's got a massive problem with the difference between Premier League and Championship and what happens to newly promoted sides. And I think the step up is bigger here. Certainly, between from the top three to, to then down to the the promoted players, so I think that it's I think it's enormous, and I think that there's one other thing as well. And I take Philippa's point on the defensive units, but I think a lot of what Liverpool have shown brilliantly this year, and it's been unreal graft, I'm sure, is the benefits of the quality of training, the professionalism. Liverpool with the fittest team in the championship. I think, and a lot of, therefore, the tactical decisions that the manager was able to make about the back three, back five, only two midfielders, three attackers in amongst this, I think was massively boosted by the fact that Liverpool had a confidence they were fitter than everybody else they were playing. That has gone. That has gone from day one. Uh, we're coming up against players who are fitter than us. So it's not just a technical step up. Coming up players who are fitter than us and have had better fa- and have better facilities than us and have had better facilities than us for a longer period of time, through their own development, they are fitter than us from day one, and we'll need to remember that as well. That you know, and I think that the the, the women's the women will be in for a big summer. I think in terms of the fact that they thought they were fit this year, it's going to have to go again, and it's going to be really really tough. And 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 that's another deciding. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's maybe a couple of departures. Some people, some of us might think are a little bit surprising, but it may be as much a question as, as uh, around fitness. As it is around, as it is around technical ability at this point from a Liverpool point of view.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we talked about four Neil. I think Philip and we, you and me have talked many times at the ground is this three four three that we play. While it's it's wild and it's great fun to watch, I think we saw in the Arsenal game against the better side, it leaves you too exposed, and I do think that's going to be. Sweet. And ultimately, I don't think that was the formation Matt wanted to do at the start of the season. It's more of a. No, he stumbled across it. It was an adaptation to what happened in the first game and went, it's not quite the balance we want. So I do think that you would think that maybe influences who who we bring in, because I do think there'll be players leaving from positions going, well, who's going to play wide and go, maybe we don't have a front three, maybe it's a front two. And it's it's packed the midfield a bit more. Because I do sort of think that's where we struggle, because actually I thought against an Arsenal, which I think is where I do think Chelsea are a level above Arsenal is, defensively, I thought you could get at them with pace, whereas with Chelsea, I don't think it matters if you've got physicality, pace, or anything that Chelsea just run you over. I think they're just that type of side. And obviously ultimately that's where you want to get to.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, I mean, Chelsea's had that set up for for years and years yeah, now. Yeah. Emma, Emma Hayes has been there for years. She's she's been able to build this almost like super team in a sense. Um full of yeah. internationals, full of world-class players. Um and you know they are the standout team in in the league. And I think for any side to kind of compete with them, they have to hope that Chelsea aren't quite at the races on their on that day. Um that's how good Chelsea are. Um, but I know that, you know, they've got quite a few um that are going to be leaving this, you know, this summer. Um so they've got a little bit of a rebuild going on as well. And it's whether or not, you know, other sides can maybe take advantage of that a little bit, maybe, you know, take take some of their players that that are going to be leaving. Um you know, because you know, we see this every single summer in the women's game. Pretty much every team, it seems, are in kind of a new cycle every single summer. You know, there's that many short contracts for for the female players that it's it's almost like every single side has an, like almost like a rebuild every single season. And it doesn't always work for them. You know, we've seen with Everton, who've had an awful lot of investment over the last couple of years. You know, and they've really struggled this season. I think they finished in 10th, um, you know, and mm. it, it's very, very difficult, I think, for teams to get that right balance of the number of players. And that's why kind of like I'm a little bit different to Neil, where I think five is, is more than enough because you kind of need that stability as well. Um, you know, and only only next season will we know which is the right way for us to have gone with it. But, you know, the, there's... There's such a huge step here, as Neil says. It it's it's really is difficult to find that right balance, I think. But the one advantage that we do have is how much experience Matt Beard has got within this league. You know, he's been at Chelsea, you know, he was at West Ham. Obviously, he guided Liverpool to two titles. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think he, he's the right guy to kind of make that step for us and to to get us into the into a decent position, I think, next season. I think I think that's you know what we need to focus on not put too much pressure on the players but i do not want us to be fighting relegation next season let's the, leave that to Everton. <laughs> the,
0: the the idea just on that note i think if there's one thing liverpool could invest in and could make them a little bit different it is stability so if you could find a way to to break the mold to an extent within women's football and find a little bit of a way to say we'll offer people three-year deals as long as the footballers who Liverpool feel of confidence can and this is this is this, 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 you know and this is if it is five, I think it's five that you're able to as hang your hat on for four or five years. Yeah. and say that these are and I hang your hat on them from the point of view of the fact that they could still be doing what liverpool need them to do in a in four or five years time so that gives you a bit of a specific age range but also B, being able to do it in a, in a, in a universe where liverpool are able to finish at the very least in the top half if not sort of break the break where the top four is at the minute because that the fact that there is so much instability always in amongst everybody from year by year Gives Liverpool an opportunity to therefore firstly make stability a selling point, but also make stability a strength.
2: I think that's kind of what they've done with Taylor Hines as well, though Neil. You know, like she's mm. been a massive Definitely. player for us the last couple of years, and they've they've gone out there and they've said, right, here's a three-year deal for yep. you. You know, she's exactly the sort of player that we should be doing that for in the right I, I think it shows frame. the way that Philippa,
0: I think that shows it, that that's, that could be what the plan is.
2: Exactly. And yeah. I think it's something that they need to do with the likes of Missy Bo as well. You know, hang the hat on her, you know, say, you know, we're investing in you for three or four years as well. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's exactly the right thing to do to be kind of like one of the, the teams that is going to do that because far too often we're seeing players being given one, two-year deals. And, you know, it... it you it's very plan. difficult for for female players, I think, to kind of like build any sort of stability for themselves in the home life as well. You know, it's just, they, they can't even get like mortgages for houses and things. And it well, we, we saw that
1: we saw that in the um, West End documentary. Of,
2: yeah, uh, exactly. Kate,
1: Kate Longhurst was talking about it. She said, "Like, I can't get a house. Why? Because the contract could be gone in two years' time. How can I get that?" But Matt Beard made an interesting comment. Was it Katie Stengel saying, oh, "I've worked with so she's finally got a home." Yeah, exactly. Having been very lucky to interview Katie, she's played all over the place, but it's like, it felt like every year she was at a new club. Yeah. And she, she jokes like, you know, every year she buys a new, she has to buy all her appliances again. And we all made a laugh and a joke about how she, you know, she loves BM and m Primark because she's rebuying it for her house. But thinking like, that's got to get tiresome though, that like every year I'm back in America next year I'm in Australia. I mean, look, it's, gr- it's a great life. I'm sure she loves it. But you would like to stay at a club two, three years just to go this is me, this is me doing my career, and also just a bit of stability, because I'm not yes. sure I can do that suitcase every year, because I think it'd do in my head. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I couldn't do it, I'll be quite honest, I couldn't do it, even just moving within clubs within the same country, you know, uprooting your,
1: your mm. family
2: and, you know, your life every every year or two years, it, you know, it, it is very difficult for these players, um, and it's not something that we're used to, to seeing within the men's game, and you know, I think I think Neil's right. I think if if Liverpool can be at the forefront of maybe giving players a bit more of a a, a stable um, situation, I think I think that could be a real selling point of the club.
1: It could be, and long term, hopefully, it's, it maybe that's a change that's coming in women's football. I mean, there is more money getting pumped into women's football with the BBC, with Sky, with BT. They're all starting to, you know, really you know invest in it. So. I like think if there's more investment in the clubs and more investment in the telly, you know, you should be able to be, give your players more stability, which can only long-term improve the game because you can plan. You know, I've got this goalkeeper, I've got this spine of my side signed up for four years. We've seen it with the men's team. You know, most of the men's teams signed up till 2024, 2025. You can plan around that now, got right there, there, and that's it. You know, so it's now just adding the, the finishing touches, whereas yeah. you never get to the finishing touch with, with the women's team because every year you go, I've got to rebuy my spine every two years. That's that's for any manager, that's a nightmare to do.
2: Yeah, it's crippling, absolutely crippling. So I think it's something that Liverpool suffered with, and part of the reason why they ended up being relegated, because as me and you know, Chris, we had quite a good side there, and it literally got decimated because yeah. Mike United came in and it was like they're offering them, you know, this. Big it project is. and, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to invest in the women's game and Liverpool dropped the ball and that's why we yeah. ended up where we are. But we we're kind on. of in that situation now where we can be at the forefront and making, you know, other teams follow us in a way. Um Yeah, So
1: when you look back at that side, you know, we had a side that was underperforming mid-table, probably should have been pushing higher than what it is. And then if you look at where 80% of that squad is now, they're at Man United. they're at Manchester, they're at Chelsea, they're at Arsenal, or like uh, Gemma Bonner, they're, they're making waves in America. So yeah. they, had, they had the squad, they just didn't have the structure, whereas, to be fair to Liverpool, they feel like they've put the structure down. I mean, Russ, the new general manager, needs a lot of credit. He's done He's done well at West Ham, he did really well at Leicester. Uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times, he's really switched on, very engaged. You know, Suzanne Black, you know, needs an awful lot of credit there. You could. You feel like this time, it, there's a there's things in place. It's not lip service, which I think is something that we could probably say that we could have accused the club of in the past, but I don't feel we're, we're there now. I feel like we're, we're on the road to a slap, to a better path. I think on that, you know, in the, in
0: the whole the, the, the whole piece around that work with with the club's partners as well, and the idea of, of of new partnerships that can, you know, in part be leveraged because of the women's team. But again, you need to have a successful women's team for that to be the case, and that's that is the opportunity now, and that's the significance of this, and it's why it's why making making a go of this. It's why stuff like, but you know, seeing that there was a, there was a genuine warmth, there was people who hung on for the ovation on um, on Saturday was was really really good. So I think that if we can, you know, if we can get that, if we can just keep that, it's all about virtuous circles all the way through. Every conversation I've had with anyone about this, I've said a win helps, and that's yeah. that's the thing that the you know they've got to ensure that the, that we can keep doing. And obviously, we can't really influence that the players who've been, I'll say again, absolutely magnificent yeah. and stood up under massive pressure over the course of the season in so many different ways. You know, you've got great performances like when they they relax and bang in six against Sheffield United on the one hand, and then you've got you know what were genuine serious how-to-win-a-league performances like going to Dortmund and winning 2-0 on the other. Uh, Real sort of blood-and-bone uh, victories, stuff like that, in the you know in the, in the middle of November, pulling together a massive battle and performance with with so many players being so important and really penning Durham in, stuff like that. I think it it bodes well because I think there is a mental side to this for Liverpool because I do think there has been a bit of a weight of the share conversation uh, around the idea that these are players playing for Liverpool, but then that will continue if. Again, if the results aren't there, that's when that shirt will feel really heavy. If the results are there, that's when that shirt, when you'll remember things like ovations at Anfield. If we can get to the point that there are games at Anfield and selling out games at Anfield, you know that'd feel that'd feel absolutely incredible. I think it's fair to say. So it's it for me. It's still it's still a moment that's in the balance because if Liverpool can pull this off. Then I think they, they can create a real level of virtuous enjoyment around this, where everything feeds everything else. Everything feeds the corporate side. Everything feeds the fan enjoyment side. Everything feeds the players' side. That can work for, you know, it can power everything for five years. So it's a matter of keeping that and keeping that energy there and keeping that presence. And the, the, the first thing you need, and it's why it all feels a little bit unfair, is winning games. Winning games breeds the idea that everyone's got to feel good. You've not got to artificially conjure the feel good. You get to feast on the feel good instead.
1: Cool. Well, while we talk about wins and feel good, let's end on the positives. Let's just talk about some of the big moments of the of the season because let's be honest, there was loads. Liverpool top goal scorers of the league conceded the least goals. Twenty games undefeated out of twenty two. You know you can't really ask for very much more. Probably he had been nitpicky. Twenty two out of twenty two would be nice, but you know we can't, <laughs> we can't have everything. But if we go back to the very, I mean, the very first game of the season, Phil. But I know this is a bit of a downer, but I think this showed a difference. I would say. If I'm being honest, in the team, uh, I can only speak for me as a fan because you saw me after the, the Lionesses game. It was a tough loss to take. It was a game the, the Liverpool shouldn't have lost. They should have at least got a point out of it. Um, but it was the reaction after that, which I'll be honest, I can, I can openly admit as a fan, when you saw the one they lost, you you can't help but think in your head, here we go again. So, yes. Please, please don't be another one of them seasons. And yeah. to be fair to Liverpool, they kicked on after that. But that was the kick in the teeth. And it was a big crowd we got for that game as well. And you were worrying, are yeah. they all going to come back?
2: I, I remember after the game, actually, being a bit disappointed with you know some of the comments that Matt said, because um, he kind of tried to say, you know, we don't need to win every game this season. And, you know, we need to remember that. And it was, it was all the kinds of stuff that, as a, a fan, having experienced the season before, was the sort of thing you didn't want to hear. Yeah. But knowing now what had happened in the build-up to that game, I can totally understand why Matt was taking that kind of approach. And, you know, I think it's it's the sort of thing that, um, you know, at the end of the season, in hindsight, you can go, yeah, I can accept everything that happened there. Um, but when mm. you're there and you're in the blood and thunder, you kind of want in that that good start you know you wanted to win that game to kind of set us up for the rest of the season um and i think it kind of showed what a massive uh, importance the watford game was you know the very next game where we you know we go 3-0 up and still managed to grind out a 3-2 win um you know it's a sort of game that we kind of needed to kind of build that platform for the rest of the season and I don't think it can be underestimated how how important you know Rihanna Dean's goals were in that game. Um I know it was pretty much <laughs> the only thing she got to do for us, um, you know, which played. was unfortunate because of the injuries. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, that really did set us up for the rest of the season. And I think without getting the three points at Watford, you know, it could have been a very different story for us this season. It could have it could have turned into what what happened last year. Um and you know it was it was really important that we managed to get that that win early doors. I would say, and um, to put us on the road to to getting promoted.
1: It wasn't. We think you know. When, I mean, she, she got clean sheets galore, but you know we lost Rachel Laws after the first game, and Riley Foster came in and did really well for two games. I mean, she actually kept Rachel Laws out for the Bristol game. So again, you have got early signs of the squad depth. And in first Neil, um, as we've all joked, unlike myself, uh, Matt was calm whether it was a win or a loss. Um but to say by October you'll see us peak, that's also as a manager. That is putting yourself out there because we all know how the, the world works. If by October we're not peaking, that is going to get thrown at him. I mean to be fair, they probably peaked a little bit sooner than October and really kicked on. But you know, again, you yeah give credit to the manager. He's, he was such a calm and influence um on everyone.
0: I think the the October will peak thing, I suspect he will have had Sheffield United away in mind. Uh, which is which is almost like a warm-up for the Durham game. Uh, again, go away from home, be much the better side, win it 2-0, win it in the first half to all intents and purposes, uh, and say see you later. And I think that, that was that was what Liverpool managed to do that day. And I think he will have thought that. I think he, he will have felt there was that was the the, the general chatter from the club, and it, again, it's back to this idea that the, because there isn't stability uh, within women's football, I spent a lot of last summer sort of asking, well, who are the enemies here? Who do we need to worry about? And one of the, the names that kept coming back was Sheffield United. So I suspect Matt had Sheffield United uh, in October on his list of that's, when, that's what we're going to look to do. And they do. they play They play really well that day. And in the end, listen, there's a screamer in there, but two 0 really flatters Sheffield United. Uh, in, in in hindsight, yeah. and over the course of the season, in the end, Liverpool scored eight past them because there's the later six that goes in as well. Um, but Liverpool just did enough that day; they got themselves ahead, and they just kept Sheffield United at arm's length. And I think that's also uh, something which I think you get to see from the side as the the campaign wears on. You know, when you mentioned that in October, they don't concede at Coventry, they don't concede at Sheffield United, uh, they don't concede at home to, to lose. They don't concede in the Conte Cup then to Sheffield United. They don't concede to Blackburn. Uh, and they don't concede to Durham in that run. And they don't win all those games. You know, let's be crystal clear, there's a couple of draws in there. But they absolutely just are keeping sides at arm's length and look substantially sort of superior in, in, in a lot of different phases of, the, of play. And so there's that Sheffield United win and there's that Durham win. And I think that they sort of bookmark that run to an extent. And both of them uh, you know, are absolutely integral i think as much to the collective belief of we are the best team in this division and i think that as soon as liverpool settles into this idea that we are the best team in this division is the point at which they don't really look back and and also they tell everyone else that liverpool are the best team in the division and I think that that sort of helps for a long period as well. I think as we get towards the end of the season, everyone begins to maybe sort of free-hit Liverpool a little bit and think, well, we'll just have a go and it doesn't matter because no one's expecting to get anything. But I think that around that period, everyone was still a bit like, oh, God, uh, Liverpool are mm. the best team in that division and we don't want to be the ones they really demonstrate that against.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, going back to uh, another one of my failed predictions, which I was fairly happy that, I had to get wrong, wrong, uh, Leanne Kearney gets her first goals... <coughs> Uh, away to Coventry, and she never looks back. Uh, I'm quite happy to wear my my complete wrong suggestion of she's a good hard worker, but she might be more of a dirt cow or will get a little we'll chipping with the odd goal. But she was just the pure instinct of, Liverpool of, once confidence hit, she was fabulous. Uh, couldn't really stop scoring until about March. And it just felt like every game now is, well, Leanne will get one, and who gets the others? It just felt like that. And the Durham game is where it all sort of, Culminated with the greatest tackle I've ever seen by Rachel Finesse, where she floors one of their players in the first 30 seconds. And having watched Liverpool against Durham uh, and speaking to uh, the ladies at Redmen TV, Durham's always the game I hate because you always got that. They just bully you. That's what they are. They're a good side, but they bully you. And Liverpool did not settle for that stand. Liverpool basically went to, we could play both ways. We'll, uh, we can outphys be more physical than you. And then class will tell. And Taylor Hines. Just kept scoring headers, which is always always handy.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's hard to uh, kind of think back to like when we were a bit worried. You know, is Leanne Kernan never going to score for us? Because in those first few games, it felt like it was all endeavour and not really getting anything to show you- for it.
1: Good job, uh, not record, good job. It's not recorded. These phrases, isn't it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, um, but then she, you know, she gets that first goal, and then she's flying, isn't she? But um, we needed that to be honest, because obviously Rihanna Dean got injured. Um, mm. You know, we needed to step in there and and you know to to be the one to get us those goals. And I think she started out originally like kind of like playing right wing in a way. Um, and, um, you know, Rihanna was kind of the the, the one through the middle. Um, and then, obviously, Rihanna got injured and she she ended up being almost like the lone striker in a way, being supported by Yana Daniels and, and Mel Lawley. Um, and then, obviously, we then get Stengel in in January and it's almost like she's been pushed back out again. And I think that's kind of like why the goals kind of, mm. you know, kind of dried up a little bit for her because she wasn't really playing you know that that striker role, in a sense, um, in a lot of those games. Um, but without a, you know, it's it's hard to imagine where we would have been this season. You know, she scored some absolutely crackers, but also some really vital goals in those games. And you know, it. it I think I think that's the thing for me. That they just always seemed to be that player that was able to step in and do what was needed of him at the right time. And you know. Everybody played the part this season, and you know, even those that, that maybe didn't get as much game time as as what they would have liked. The likes of Ash Hodson, you know, they still chipped in with important roles. Georgia Walters, who ended up leaving in January, money. you know, I remember there was a couple of games where, you know, early on, where she she held the ball in the corner and it felt like nobody could get the ball off her. And
1: you know, those, <laughs> Lewis those at home guys, wasn't it? You were never getting it off her at Lewis at home, she yeah, just got there for five minutes.
2: But those things stick in your mind, and you know those players probably feel they didn't really play a much of a part in this season. But you know, the little things like that that you know really do stick in your mind, and you know you you look back on you think you know I, I remember that, and you know I remember the part that those players uh, played in 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 us actually achieving this. And I like to think that Georgia Walters got a got a medal as well at the end. Uh, yeah, she, she did. Yeah, that, which was, it was nice Sheffield to see United that. United game, which was uh, quite interesting. So, yeah.
1: Ble- bless her. She looked surprised like when they gave it to her. She, you can see, like, <laughs> oh, oh, I get one as well. Yeah, you go. So you see, like, sort of walking <laughs> off She's probably the happiest person ever to get beat 6 1 good. <laughs> 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 win win this medal. That'll do me. Uh, I mean, one of my favourite games pre Christmas was Sunderland away because back to back away games in the North East is hard, but Sunderland away is a, is a tricky game, especially going 1 0 down. And Lucky enough being there. It was a lively atmosphere there. But as, uh, as soon as we went one nil down, a switch in my head, and I think in Liverpool, flicked, which was they went to serious football and it was just like, you're not getting out of here without the three points. And that was it. And you could just tell it was, it literally felt at one nil down. This is a matter of when we win it. It's not if we win it. And that sounds, I know it can sound supremely arrogant, but that's how it felt on the ground. It was just like going, it's wave after wave after wave. And again, it was Yana Daniels he Wasn't expecting to score, gets the opener, Leanne Kenan. And then Mel Lowley, who only got a couple this year, scores arguably one of the goals of the season. Uh, probably only edged out by Leanne Caenan against Blackburn. And you sort of went, That's just what to do. And unless I could hear Sutherland fans going, Well, the only beaters won the second half with a with a, a you know, I think they were calling it a flute goal." but going, but that's what sides were thinking then, is like, well, the only beaters by one in the second half. That was classed as a win. So that kind of went, whereas you know, it was, it's a while since people have looked at Liverpool in that way, and it was great to see where sides think if we only get beat by two, I'm all right with that. That that that's a win for me as well. Let us let's, let's move on to something else.
2: Yeah, it was almost like damage limitation for a lot of sides for me um, to kind of make sure that they weren't getting like as we're saying. If we go up to, well when we go up to the WSL now, um, you know, we don't want to get hammered in games, and it kind of felt like a lot of teams were treating Liverpool like that, um, mm. and it was only towards the end of the season when Liverpool really relaxed and I think all the sides who were playing against us were kind of like, this isn't the kind of game that we're targeting, that we, you know, we were able to start, like, beating teams like Sheffield United 6-1, putting on a bit of a show. Um, but until that, you know, you could tell that there was a lot of pressure on, on the players on the side um, to get the job done and, you know... I always go back to the Durham game. Unfortunately, I wasn't at the Sunderland game, but I know pretty much everybody who went to the Sunderland game picks that one out as their standout kind of game of the it season sucked. where it, was it so cold. felt like this was where we're going to win the league. Um, you know, there yeah. just always seems to be that point for everybody. Uh, mine was Durham because it was the one before and I wasn't at Sunderland, but I know yeah. a lot of people do pick out but, that Sunderland game.
0: The thing with that Sunderland game is it, it, it became the last league game until. With the, after after Christmas, so they they play a couple of cup games in December, but nothing else. And when they come back after Christmas, and I think part of this people decide in Liverpool's damage limitation is actually that first game back in January, because they absolutely take Blackburn to the cleaners. Yeah, and I, so they, they go to they go away to Sunderland, they win three one, and then they go away to Blackburn and they win six nil. And I think that is the point at which for everybody else in the league there is an element of damage limitation. I think the away game afterwards it was around the time of my birthday, which is a terrible way to hook it in. But I think they score four at Palace.
1: Yeah, and I think that yeah. that's
0: I don't think they really do that again until Sheffield United. But I think that what those two away games say to everyone is when you play Liverpool, you just want to get out with minimum minimum damage. And I think that that's that. I think the same thing happened with Leicester last season as well. Watching as it went right the way through, and I think that that's a really important moment and it's an important bit of learning, really that you can, you know, yes, you only get three points for beating Blackburn 6-0 away, but actually the statement that it sends to to everybody else is is quite important. You know, Blackburn, they do finish 10th, and I think that, you know, if it wasn't for the deduction, Coventry probably have a better points total than them. Uh, in total, I'm not 100% on that, but I'm going to guess I'm right. You so you, you, <laughs> you can end up sort of, you know, saying, well, yeah, but we're not Blackburn, we're better than them. But I think just the idea of when you're playing Liverpool, you really just don't want to get uh, get a heavy drubbing. and I think it helps. And I think that that's something which Philip is right to sort of to, to to reframe that in next year's conversation. But I think it is this, it is what can be done by this side and what they've shown. And, and I think that that, I think those two away games in January really, really helped them. Um, and then it's, then it's a matter of, of, of how they overcome just a little wobble that then takes us all the way into March. You know, there's, there's, they're not great at charting, but they get the job done. But there's two draws either side, and you began to wonder if the little wobble was going to become anything more. And quite the opposite, you know, they're, they're brilliant from that point, and that's where they really do deserve credit. The manager deserves credit. They deserve credit for, credit for the courage. The pressure could have been on them. And actually, they just shrug it off and and, and get the job done.
1: Yeah. I mean, in January, we're bringing Katie Stengel, who comes against Blackburn, doesn't really get what... Much involved, she gets like the last twenty minutes, and then she scores, probably one of my favourite goals of the season, which is Watford at home, which was that felt like the eternal. It's one of those. It's a nil nil. It's not happening. And then we saw Meg Campbell long throw, and it's a great header, and I think that's the most I've ever celebrated the like, goal. I think I nearly fell down the concourse. I was that <laughs> excited. It was brilliant. But that's when you look because at the time we just took Liam off, and you're all like, and look, all rounds were like taking top goal score off. It's a bit of it's a bit of a risk at nil nil, and then look for what we know now. I mean, Stengel ended up with like double figures, uh, and only coming in January. I mean, she was again different striker, different dimension. Gave more physical aspect. She's very good at holding the baller, but in between the posts, there's, there's no one better at the moment. She just uh, she's just an absolute killer, and we saw that in the Palace away game, which Neil references. She was she was a nuisance all the way through, and again, she definitely looked like a player where you looked and went. She's only agreed to six months of the Championship. There's no way she's here next year if, if, we, if we're in the Championship next year. Uh, so, you know, again, the club not took a risk, but went, we'll bring her in early. We'll make sure we get this almost WSL standard striker ready for next year. So it's like it's like one box ticked, which is really good. And the favourite game, Philippa, I'm sure it was you, because you, you were sat next to me, was the was the Bristol game, yeah. where I was in bits all game. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I think that was more to say than watching the game. They're just watching me collapse every time... Anything slightly went wrong. I think it's just one of those games where like you wanted it so much.
2: I I think it helped because um, like we were on the coach, obviously going down, and we we'd kind of got a bit of a party atmosphere going before we even got to Bristol. Um, I was actually quite relaxed for that game because it was it was very much like they have to beat us. Um, Mm. So, and I I think I think what helped me was I'd watched the Sheffield United. Um, Bristol game where it ended up being um, Sheffield United beat Bristol 1-0 and I I remember messaging Neil um, and I was just like we're going to get loads of goals against both of these sides because defensively they just looked like they wouldn't be able to cope with us Um, you know you see some sides and you think yeah they're quite well organised and you can see them you know being able to cause you problems by not allowing you the space to be able to hurt them but it just felt like both Bristol and Sheffield United in that first half could have scored four or five goals each. And I thought if they do that against Liverpool, then I can see I can see Liverpool hurting both of them. And as it turned out, you know we scored four against uh, Bristol and we scored six against Sheffield United. So I wasn't as concerned as what you were, Chris. Going into that, I think, that game. I,
1: think I, I think my head had just gone about a month ago. <laughs> my my head had gone. I think Neil's had great fun laughing at me. <laughs> me. I think
0: I think on the on the the the, the that weekend of the game that uh, the the Bristol game that that, that Philippa refers to, they're not the one where we face them, but the one where they face Sheffield United. That's the twenty sixth, and then we go and beat Durham three 0 on the twenty seventh, mm. and that just sorts things out i think massively uh and then you know it's worth it's worth now remarking on because you know we spoke before that that weekend it's worth now remarking on that bristol city don't win any of the last five yeah. so i had a little look uh earlier today and bristol city don't win any of the last five i was actually quite surprised to, to sort of note that I, it stemmed from me looking at the table going hang on i remember being really worried about bristol city in the fourth um and they don't win any of the last five and i think that that you know, the first of that run is the one against Sheffield United. Then there's us and what we do to Durham, which is just a really good, another good consummate performance in there as well. You know, and and suddenly it goes from feeling as though it could be a bit edgy when we go to Birmingham, uh, and then I think you see that in 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 the way in which Rachel Finesse responds to the goals that she gets in the three 0 against Durham. She celebrates them like she's absolutely possessed. It is. It is not enough just to have scored the goal, you know. And it felt genuinely as though, as though messages were being sent simultaneously. You know, it really did. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was genuinely thrillingly aggressive from her. I felt in terms of the celebration, aggressive, obviously, to get the ball in the back of the net the way in which she does, but aggressive in terms of the celebration. The celebration was this is ours. This, and we're not messing about here. By the time they go to Bristol, you know, there's then they They only need a point because of the swing of that that weekend, and it's much more straightforward because there's, there's obviously then two more games beyond that. If it had gone to that, if Bristol had managed to hold Liverpool off, but even Bristol themselves at that point, they've maybe wobbled because they've, they've, they've dropped points to Sheffield United. And so it goes. And I think that weekend becomes the key weekend of the run-in. It's not, it's not even the game. It looked like it was going to be the game against Bristol, but it actually becomes emphatically beating Durham uh, and not taking any messing in the process. And, and and making it clear that, that it
1: wasn't going anywhere else excellent excellent so before we go then um i'll let you pick two key players that you that have done it for you impressed you it could be whatever reason you've got you've gone for uh i'll go for uh kelly holland uh for me who is the engine of that midfield and i think Liverpool just don't function as well without her in the midfield and i think she sacrificed her natural game i think her natural game is bombing on getting goals cause that's what we're what she was when we signed her, but she's been fabulous in that centre midfield role f- for us. And I'll cheat the other one, is, uh, Rachel Laws. Just clean sheets. I can see Neil's fuming over it already. She just loves clean sheets. Well, we would only
0: picking one each.
1: All oh, right, okay. Uh, I'll jump in. in. I'll get the favourites first. I was delighted.
0: <laughs> I was delighted when you didn't go for Rachel Laws because I, I was going eyes, to go for Rachel Laws. Uh, yeah. I think Rachel Laws has been absolutely incredible and you know, with, with an eye on what is to come next. I think the position is in in tremendous hands. Uh if it's in hers. I think she was she was mm, she was just consummate over the course of the campaign. Uh and I think that it's I think it's one one to remember uh in general how how strong she's been the difference she's made and the fact that she's she, she's stood so strong all the way through. Um the other one I'm gonna go for is one you know I'm delighted I'm going for in that I think uh, Mel Lawley's ability over the course of the campaign to create genuine chaos in opposition defenders both with and without the ball i think that what one things that i think has come on massively watching her is the quality of the movement before she even receives it she's able to pull defenders this way and that obviously what always helps in that is if they are concerned what happens if you then get the ball which she shows with performances all the way through the campaign but i think she's i thought i think she's been great to be honest and i think that i think you've also seen her grow so i think a couple i think have become a little bit less effective in general, for Liverpool in a few different ways as the campaigns wore on. Whereas I felt as though every single time in the second half of the season, whether in the ground or on television, I've caught any Mel Lawley every single time. I've, I've almost felt as though she's improved from, from from a pretty strong base in the first half of the season. And I think that that's the value of confidence. So I think I'll go I'll go Rachel Laws and Mel Lawley.
1: Okay, good, good.
2: Um, I'm going to go for Taylor Hines. Um, I think she's absolutely outstanding on that left-hand side all season um, and there was even a point um, to kind of like shoehorn uh, Megan Campbell's long throws in where uh, Taylor played on the right side of uh, the okay, defence and that was against Bristol <laughs> yeah um, so you know I just think she's a sort of player that you should be hanging your hat on and it's good to see that Liverpool are doing that over the next three years um, you know keeping her in there and I'd I, I anticipate and I hope that she goes on to be an England um, international. I think she's that good. I think she could, you know, cement that place uh, within that squad. Um, Not saying she'll necessarily start, but definitely having a place within that squad for me. Um, And then the other one for me has to be Leanne Kernan. Um, You know, I think without her goals, you know, the first half of the season in particular, um, I don't think we have the basis for what happens in the rest of the season. Um, you know, just a work rate, right, you know, every single game, she just gives you absolutely everything that she's got um, and to add goals to it, I think, you know, she has to be in there for me. Um, and I would have gone for Rachel Laws if both of you hadn't have done that. <laughs> that's that's yeah. how good she, she's been, you know, the the, yeah. the absolute kind of, you know, the, the the stalwart in there to, to kind of build from, um, you know, and I think without her in in the goal this season, I think it could have been a very different story uh, after what happened to Riley. So, um, yeah. I think, the you mad, know, it's clear.
1: And the mad thing is, there'll be people watching this who will be shouting Furness, Dengel, Matt Beard, you yeah. know, as all standouts this season, and there are many more, Nifahi. Liam Robe has been up until they're injured, probably the most consistent centre back we had. Jazz Matthews, so you could reel off half a squad, and it's not, and you can make a genuine argument for about eight or nine players, which is always a sound of a great, always sign of a great season. Cool. So listen, I'll let you guys go because I, I promised that half an hour. And to be fair, I took the Mickey a little bit thinking this. What so. <laughs> about <a> next <nice> time? <laughs> so... Uh, So, listen, um, we're going to take a little break from the women's show now. Uh, Have a a summer break. Uh, Give Neil and Philippa a rest before, hopefully, we bring you back for next next season. We're all talking WSL. And, you know, if we get any breaking news on any new signings, hopefully I can sweet talk Emma Sanders to come and explain it all to me. But, you know, (laughs) I need to to ask her nicely first. She'll do that. But, listen, uh, Neil, Philippa, thank you very much for for all your help this season. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for doing it. It's been great. No worries. Until then, guys, take care of yourselves. Like, subscribe, and keep your eye on the women's team because we are going places.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.